Well, I am, and you are, and we are commissioned couriers of God's connection to this world. Let me say that again. I am, and you are, and we are commissioned couriers of God to connect with this world. And uh, to help us understand that concept, let's go in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And while you're finding your way there, let me just remind you that a courier is a deliverer. Uh, You have a UPS man or a woman, you have a FedEx person that delivers, maybe Amazon comes to your house. What are they doing? They're serving as a courier. And often they have a designated uniform and a truck or a vehicle of some kind. And they have been commissioned, meaning they're duly authorized to take the packages from one party and bring it to another. And in that way, it reminds us we're couriers of God's grace, God's kindness, God's love, And uh, so what we understand is in this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul wants them to know something. And uh, let's drop in at verse 8, and then we're going to back up. So you'll find out what we mean in just a moment. Verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 1, For we do not want you to be unaware. In other words, there's something that you need to know. And as we look at this passage today, we're going to really find it in three different questions. Know what, so what, and now what? And so when Paul says, I want you to know something, I don't want you to be unaware of this great concept that brings life to others and brings meaning to our existence as a commissioned courier of connection. So in verse 3, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. I'm often reminded that all means all all the time, and that's all that all means. And so in the midst of all of our affliction, so that you may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Sounds like God's putting a commission on us, a mission to fulfill for him. And we're able to comfort those in any affliction with what? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Let me put it plainly this way. You are a courier. I'm a courier. We're couriers of God's grace. And anytime you see the word grace in the Bible, feel free to just insert the word help there. That's what that means. So we're delivering help and heart and the presence of God and his word in people's lives. Think of it this way. It's as if God is loading up our delivery truck with everyday experiences, be they good, be they bad from our perspective. They're all deliverables in God's perspective. Let me read on verse five of 2 Corinthians 1. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we shall share abundantly in that comfort too. 
If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort. And if we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you shall also share in our comfort. Now in verse eight, we read earlier, we don't want you to be unaware of this. This is important to understand as a concept, and we call it the providence of God. The providence of God means his timing and his methods. In other words, all things are available to God's disposal to use to deliver his grace, his help, his heart to the people that he loved and gave his own son for. And as a courier, you're delivering that through the vessel of your own life. God doesn't waste pain. God doesn't waste turmoil. God doesn't waste a broken heart. God doesn't waste the moments of elation. No wonder the scripture says, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Why? It's the whole life experience. And uh, we know from the study of scripture that God can use anything at any time to accomplish his purpose. Uh, let me just give you a few of those. For Noah, he used an ark and he used a flood. For Joseph, he used a coat of many colors. For Moses, he used a burning bush. For Balaam, he used a talking donkey, and he still does that today. Trumpets were used by God to bring down the walls of Jericho for Joshua. Jonah had the first lift ride, and uh, he got delivered by a big fish to Nineveh. Can God use a big fish? Of course, he did. He does. Can he use an empty net like he did with Peter to call him to himself to be one of his disciples? Yes. Can he use leprosy like he did with Nahum to bring him to connection with God? He can. With Paul, he used a blinding light. With the Philippian jailer, he used an earthquake so that he would come to Paul and Silas and say, sirs, what must I do to be saved? God can use anything that he wants. In fact, Paul's testimony would be he used a shipwreck. He used a uh, snake bite. He used a jail cell. When we think of the life of Jesus, our Lord, we know that he used an innkeeper's empty stable. Later, we'd find he would use water to turn into wine for his first miracle there in Cana of Galilee. Later, we would find that Jesus would use a borrowed colt that had never been ridden. He would use a mean and wicked person to condemn him to an earthly death. God would use nails. God used a whip. God used a cross. God used a borrowed tomb. God borrowed an empty tomb, but he rolled away that stone. And God used the event before hundreds of people to show the resurrected Christ. So do you think that God can use anything at any time to accomplish his providence? That is to 
make a context or create an opportunity for connection. He does. I think we'd be wise then to start to look around, don't you, at how God is using the very events of this world, the circumstances of your life. So rather than despising them, maybe we should take the posture, God, how will you use this? How will you use this sickness, this divorce, uh, this abuse, this addiction? God, how will you use a mean-spirited neighbor? God, how will you use the lovely people in my office who keep talking about their philosophies of life, revealing that they need Christ? Will God use anything? If he can use a little boy's lunch to feed 5,000, he can use you. He can use your home. He can use your occupation. He can use your skills, your passion, your interest. God can use all of those things. Not only can he, he will. So when we think of the providence of God, think timing and methods. Now, all of those things help us understand the the toolbox that God has. But I want you to think also, not just of the know what about the providence of God, you should know about that, but the so what. So what's the big deal? Why should I be concerned? Why should I give more thought to that than not? Well, I think one of the real reasons is God always uses people. Every one of those uh, little items that we talked about, big or small, God used the what, but he used a who to do the what. So when we think of the little boy bringing his lunch, There was a little boy involved. There was an invitation to use that lunch to help feed the 5,000. Little did they know how God would multiply those fish and loaves, but he did. And so when you think of what God's doing, think of whom God's using. So from the biblical record, we gave you some illustrations of what God did and how he did it. Let me give you some modern day illustrations of how God is still using people and events to help create this connection, this partnership. So when you think of know what, know the providence of God. But when you say to yourself, so what? Think of partnership. God's loading up your delivery truck and you have a delivery to make. And that's significant. Others are counting on you. God has commissioned you. He's authorized you. He created you with a capacity. Remember he said uh, in the scriptures, let us create man in our own image. The Trinity that Carlos talked about last week. They said to themselves, let's create people that have the capacity to take who we are as the living God and translate that in connection to people. And uh, you might remember the, the first negative words in the Bible are what? It's not good that man should be alone. And so when Adam and Eve were created, when they became the representative of all that humankind would be, they were created with a capacity for connection. So what? 
it's a big deal. You're an instrument. Uh, I think of uh, how God uses certain people. It was 25 years ago, I entered graduate school, and I ran into a person by the name of Jay Desco. You ever heard his name? One of our senior pastors here, lead pastors. And uh, Jay was a lot younger than I was at that time. We've kind of caught up now. But uh, yeah, you know, when, it's, when somebody's been at something for a long time, it reminds me of the kid that was in the third grade so long that at the end of the school day, the teacher would say to the other kids, don't forget your lunchbox. But she would say to Johnny, hey, Johnny, don't forget your shaving kit. Uh, yeah, he'd been there a long time in that third grade, right? So Jay, I didn't know God was going to use him in my life. He was a professor, started a program at the school that I was going to. And uh, we became wonderful friends. And what he would teach, I'd go back to the church that I was at, and I would try and put that into practice right away. In hindsight, only in hindsight can I see how significant that would be. That many years later in 2004, God would call us here to Calvary and we'd have the privilege of, of serving in this ministry through what is called the center. And, uh, you know, it was a life changer. I was talking with Donna Jacobini yesterday and we were talking about the fact that she had been trained to use a defibrillator. And uh, the day came. A cyclist came in from a ride to the office that she was in. There were about 10 people there, and he collapsed. He was in a cardiac arrest. Everybody else with jaws agape thought, what do we do? Donna jumped right into practice uh, with what she'd been trained to do. Uh, it's hard to believe Donna would be able to give commands Donna, go here. You know. But Donna was telling everybody what to do. They got the defibrillator, and she said she was praying verbally out loud, God, help me. God, I need your wisdom. God, we need to be able to save this man's life. And uh, sure enough, they got it all hooked up, and uh, he was able to be revived. He might even be here today. He ended up needing quadruple bypass surgery. You think God used that event? When she was sitting in the boring training, maybe thinking, how soon can this be over? That years later, she would need that to be the instrument, the courier of connection? Do you think that God prepared those situations? Well, sure he did. So whether it's bringing a friend into your life or you being a friend to somebody else, whether it will change your future or just change that moment. Whether it's helping somebody in a moment of crisis, like the firefighter who uses the jaws of life to free that person from the automobile that's been in an accident just before it burst in flames. Do you think God uses that? He does. Do you think that God in his wisdom loaded that truck with those couriered packages of a kind word maybe today, a reconnection? Do you think there's enough grace in all that God gives us in our truck to deliver enough forgiveness to reach in the past and 
say, I'm going to let it go. If you're a courier, commission, probably so. Um, you think that there's enough patience today to endure the trials, just like the ones Paul talked about here? He said, every day we wake up and we're burdened with life, but we keep trusting. Did God use his experiences to give that to the Corinthians? He did. And here we are talking about it thousands of years later. So the point is, God uses people. What you have, who you are, what you know, where you live, what you do, all of it is part of that package of the courier that you are, that I am, that we are, to help make connections on behalf of God into the hearts and lives of other people. Pretty exciting, actually. So I think of uh, uh, Ashley Smith. I don't know if you remember Ashley Smith. Ashley Smith got a phone call from her mother. Said, Ashley, a man just broke out of the courtroom. He killed three people, including the judge. And he's on foot, he's armed, and he's dangerous. And they believe he's coming your way. Hurry, lock the door. Before she could get to the door, Brian Nichols kicked in the door and put a gun to her head. She was sure this was her last moment on earth. Perhaps he would abuse her. Perhaps then he would strangle her or shoot her. But she just committed herself fully to God. God, if this is your will, if this is your design for me as a courier today, I need to accept that. And she talks about this peace that came over her when she thought she would just fall apart. And while they were there in the house for seven hours, she was a hostage. No one knew where Brian Smith or Brian um, was. And so Brian Nichols was just pacing the floor and he sees a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. He asks questions. She begins to talk about her own journey. Here's what she said. I think you'll uh, find this pretty, pretty amazing. She said to Brian Nichols, Brian, because of my recently renewed connection with God, this is a direct quote, I felt the need to read a religious book of some kind. So I bought it and I kept it in my bedroom and I read it every night. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. It's right here. It's written by a guy by the name of Rick Warren. It's a day-by-day -day guide to leading a Christian life. And I'd read it out loud to myself. Before long, Brian was contemplative. He went into a deep discussion with her about man's purpose on earth. She goes on to say, like me, he had a church upbringing, but it had long lapsed. I used that moment to gently suggest that it was time for him to take responsibility for what he did, killing those innocent people, and that maybe God had a plan for him to spread the gospel in prison to other men. 
<laughs> so what? Talk about a significant life event. Hopefully you'll never go through something that traumatic. But if you do, I guarantee you God will use it to make some connection. And uh, a few years after that, uh, Rick Warren was interviewing her at the church that he pastors in Southern California. And she was telling this story. And the comment came out, we never know how God's going to use our joys and our sorrows. But what we know for sure is that he will. Well, Rick Warren and his wife Kay, they didn't realize a few years later from that point, their son Matthew at 27 years old would take his own life. They were absolutely, totally heartbroken. He had battled mental illness and different types of addictions. And now he was gone. What do you think they did? Whether it's in our joys or in our sorrows, God will use these events to help us to connect to others. And that led to the beginning of lots of connections with people within the mental health field to help family members, to help those who are oppressed with addictions and other kinds of destructive elements in their life that now they have hope. You think God used that? Know what? Know the providence of God, his timing and methods, they're sure. Understand this, the so what. It's significant that you're a courier commissioned for connection. And then lastly, you might be wondering, well, what do we do now? All of that sounds good, Dave. What do we do now? <laughs> well, it's pretty simple. Go make your deliveries. God's entrusted to you some heartbreak and some happiness. God's given you opportunities that if you would just open your eyes and look around, you would see God's using you as a steward of the manifold graces of God. He wants you to be one of his couriers. Well, how do you do that? Just like we know what the providence of God, his timing and methods, just like the so what, we're partners with God and it's significant to make connections. The now what is the peace that comes from the promises of God. Second Peter 1.4 calls them precious promises. They're there for daily use that we might partake in the divine nature. That's pretty powerful. In other words, God says, hey, if you'll know my promises, you'll start to experience some of my peace. Jeremiah 29.11 I'm for you, not against you. I have a great plan for you. Hebrews 13, 5, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Well, you say, I don't believe that. If you knew what happened to me, if you knew what I've lost, the people that I grieve, their departure, you wouldn't stand there and say that so boldly. Yes, I would. Pizza delivery guy calling. 
The point being, the story isn't finished yet. Here's one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. It's found over in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And it says, right now we just see dimly. It's like looking through fog. We don't know exactly what we don't know. But we do know that in that day, we shall know even as we're known. You ever get ticked off at God? Angry at God? Frustrated at God? You go out and contemplate, God, what in the world could you be thinking? A kind God would never allow such a thing. (laughs) The story's not finished, my friends. The story is not finished. Romans 10 says it pretty plainly. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And how shall they hear without a sent one going? That sounds like a courier to me. And so when the scripture reminds us that the word of God lived out through the lives, like Isaiah 55 says, it's not coming back void. It's not coming back empty-handed. It will accomplish exactly what it wants to. So how do I apply that? I just say, you know what, friends, let's encourage each other to be still and know that he is God. When the scripture says, Stop worrying, fret not, commit your way unto the Lord, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Maybe we ought to take that pretty literally and stop the anger, stop the arguing, stop the fighting, stop the fretting, stop the threatening, and just rest. God's going to use this somehow, some way. Doesn't that sound like a great way to live? I'll make you a deal. If you pray for me to be able to do that, I'll pray for you to be able to do that because that's clearly the teaching of Scripture. You, my friend, are a courier of God's connections. Let's pray. Uh, Gracious God, thanks for uh, the opportunity today to share these wonderful, powerful truths about who you are and how you are the governor of all things. And God, you call us to enjoy that partnership, even in the midst of trials, you're there. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never waste a moment of the precious gift of life that you give us, even if it means crushing our hearts, confusing our minds, delighting us to the point that we're absolutely ecstatic, that we have joy of connection and relationship. God, you use all of those things. God, forgive us for the times that we put up a wall of human reasoning to say in so many words, you're not allowed to do that to us, God. Thanks that you promised that the day is coming that we'll know even as we're known. We'll understand it. We'll get it. But until that day, God, give us lots of grace, lots of patience, and wide open eyes to see your hand moving among us. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen.